Welcome, and uh, thank you for that nice introduction. I guess he does know me a little bit, uh, so that's wonderful. But no, it's wonderful to be here. I am an elder here. This is my church, and uh, I've been coming here for over a year now with my family, and I'm committed to what they're doing here. And so it's exciting times, and uh, I've been in church my pretty since quite a few years, and I was looking for something that I could see as the future of what church really is, and that's that coming together, community, getting to know people, making friends, and knowing other believers that have the same vision and desires I do. So we did start out with Lou, uh, sorry, Jude last week, and I'm going to do Jude 3 through 4, the uprising. So last week we started with the book of Jude, and the, uh, we learned that Jude was the brother of James, the half-brother of Jesus, so that kind of gave him some clout of being part of the churches, and basically when he wrote this letter, people were probably excited about it because he knew, he was a believer, he knew the church as well and was part of the church. And we also know that the letter was basically written to the Jewish believers, but it was distributed to other churches and other um, areas, as well as put in our Bible. So we know that it should be and is an important book of the Bible, even though it's the smallest, one of the smallest ones, 25 verses, it has a lot of impact and it tells us how to live this Christian life. So why don't you pray with me for a moment. Father, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit that's here to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to have this word drop from our heads into our heart that we can believe and we can serve and know you. I pray that the Spirit of God move upon us now, move upon me as I speak the word, and uh, Lord God, clearly and articulately so that the hearers can hear and receive. We just thank you for that and for the blessings and for those who are here in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Jude Um, number three, and he starts out and says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So we read that Jude, and we understand that he really wanted to write something nice, something encouraging, something that will get the believers all excited about living for God and serving each other in the community. But the Holy Spirit had other plans. God had other plans. He actually changed it to the point that Jude went from giving that loving, caring advice to, hey, warning them about what's going on. I mean, I don't know if you have friends like that, that they call you and, yeah, we want to talk about things, and all of a sudden the conversation goes way in another direction, and you're like, okay, what are they talking about, or why'd they call me? Well, you know, in this case, he was writing, and he was getting on with that, and pretty soon he started writing other things. We also read that Jude was, like I said, was writing this letter to warn them. We seem to believe in our society that by hearing warnings or unpleasant uh, news, that we tend to label it as fake or maybe prefer it to be, maybe uh, ignore it and it doesn't help. So we're thinking, you know what, bad news or negative news within a church, sometimes we just kind of think, well, you know what, let's just stay on this side and it'll be all good. It's almost like we don't really have marital problems. We don't really have financial problems. We don't have all these things, but really they exist. And you know what? We don't have problems in our church. We don't have those that don't believe that are trying to corrupt us. But the Spirit of God was saying, hey, they are there. We have to know that. And so that negativity sometimes becomes the norm if we allow it to be. I don't know if you met families like that that basically grew up in a negative home. Everything was, you know what, if it's going to, my family was like that, if it rained soup, we'd be out there with a fork. 
instead of a spoon. Because that negativity comes out, you know. Woe is me, feel sorry for me, or I try to up one-manship. So in this case, you know, God's saying that, hey, there's change. There's something going on through Jude. So 2 Timothy 3 says, all scripture, and you can follow in the Bibles that are here, because this is the NIV. If you don't have a Bible, take one home with you. They are for any of those who want them. If you have a friend who doesn't and you know you want to give them one, just take one. We have plenty of them. But anyways, if you want to follow in the Bible, otherwise it's up on the screen. So it does say, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, fun word, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Our purpose is to be, what? To do good works, right? And he's saying, hey, the scripture is there. God breathed on Jude so that he would write the right words to warn the church because he wanted them to be trained He wanted them to be educated. He wanted them to know being righteous and how to live righteously and how to correct things. So we know that the word of God was breathed onto Jude, and that's also why this scripture or these scriptures in this book is in the Bible, because God put this together. And also, as Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 16, he told us, as he entrusted and gave us the word, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I don't know how many preach to your dog or cat lately. Well, you can. You know, it's a creature. Uh, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I don't know if you want to baptize your animals. Uh, Some might want to hold them too long underneath, but don't do that. Um, There's humane society. But whoever does not believe and will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands upon the sick and they will get well. Just like we have Stephen up here and myself at times. If you're not feeling well, if you're sick, just call for us. Us elders call for those in the church. We're here to pray with you because basically we are entrusted with the good news of the gospel. And by doing that and preaching the good word, those signs should follow. If you're wondering, hey, is it working for me? What signs are following? Are people, you know, coming to you and wanting to be prayed for? They know that, hey, that, um, you know, the sickness can be drived out or demons or things like that. Um, but we are entrusted with that good news. He also says that Christians must defend the faith. And it's kind of interesting they use that word because in other scriptures it's called contend, like a contender in a fight, you know, for a shadow boxing. I suppose some of you when you were younger or maybe even older were probably doing that and maybe hit your kid's sister or brother by accident when they walked by. You could see those YouTube ones, they always do that. But the fact is that he says they're contending, they're fighting. And uh, Paul says over in 1 Corinthians, he says that, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. He's not just running to run. You know, we're in a race. We're in a race of faith. We're in a race with our um, lives here for Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm not running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, a shadow boxer. So what's he saying? He says that he strives vigorously for or anything that um, against something like that contender. He has a purpose. He is actually fighting a opponent. He's fighting somebody that... He wants to win over. He wants to keep that belt. He wants to finish that race. He wants to fight that good fight of faith and win. How many of you want to do that too? And sometimes I don't think we think that way. We don't think we're in a race. We don't think we're fighting the faith. We're just living our lives and hopefully enjoying it to that point. But God has other things for us because he wants us 
to be safe. So it's important to gather together in the body of believers to have that support, to be able to share your faith, to be able to also go to somebody if you need prayer or if you need any type of help, because we do fall. The Bible talks about those who fall without some help. It's great when you have somebody who can pick you up. And I know I can text Marie or someone else or Stephen or anyone in here and say, hey, I need your prayers or I have friends that need prayers or something's going on. And guess what? They won't disown me on Facebook. I hope not. They won't, you know, do those things. They'll just say, okay, how can I help? And so God wants and entrusted us with the word of truth to defend faith, to find after what's going on. And as I was thinking about this too, I thought about even with our children. I have uh, two children and I want to be able to pass on that faith. Because I want them to also be with me in heaven, not only that, but defend the faith as well. And many times I was reading about, too, how once a child leaves high school and goes into college, about 85% don't even go to church anymore. And it's sad. You know, then they realize maybe in their 30s or 40s, after how many years have gone by, oh, I do need God, or my family needs God, or I remember him. And so it's important that we do basically tend for the faith, that we defend the faith, that we pass it on to our loved ones. So going on in Jude 4, he says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into the churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit purposely is telling Jude, hey, there are those who have come in the church. He doesn't name them by name because if he did, that would be easy to say, hey, you're out or we don't want you here or what are you doing to our congregation or what are you trying to do? But he says they wormed in, they secretly came in, they kind of came in unawares. And, um, you know, sometimes when you see that, that people may come in unawares, they come in as a party crasher or they sneak in. And it it does say that um, basically they worm their way in, not through the front door, but maybe through a side door or back door. And they're not invited. They are those party crashers you really don't want there. But he's saying that, hey, these people have wormed their way in. Jesus warned us in Matthew seven fifteen through 16, he said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you shall recognize them. Again, have you met people where their fruit is not so fruity, not so tasty, that you ran into them and man, doom and gloom is like hanging from them? It must have dead fruit, I guess, or maybe none. But the point is, is that Jesus says you'll recognize them by the fruit. And Peter warns us, saying in Second Peter 2, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They secretly introduced destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So Jesus warned us, now Peter warns us, and Paul warns us in Romans chapter 16. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but have their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of the naive people. And when I was uh, growing up as a Christian, there are those people that tried to deter me. Oh, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You didn't change. You're the same guy I knew, you know, 
10 weeks ago, a year ago, two years ago, but there was a change on the inside. How many knows it takes time? It doesn't just happen overnight that, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, okay. That means everything is going to be perfect. Everything is going to be right. And there's not going to be any issues or no problems. Wrong. Sorry, hate to break your bubble. Wrong. But the point is that Jesus, Paul, and Peter are warning that there are those out there that say they're living that life, but they're not. And they don't want you to. Why? Because the deceiver, the devil, on this earth doesn't want you to live for God. Because if you do, guess what? That person that you're standing next to might say, well, it's so different about you that I, I just want to know what you got that I don't have. Or they see that joy that even in the midst of turmoil or problems or situations, you overcome those because of your faith in God, because of your love for him. So, it all, you know, these warnings basically were coming by the Holy Spirit to Jude. He wasn't warning them that they were coming like Jesus did or Paul or Peter. He was telling them they're there. They're in the church. They're here now. They're present. Again, didn't name by name, but he said they're here. So he was giving them all these warning signs. So uh, I always like to pick on my son. Nope, not that one. Now I pick on him more. So my son is in driver's ed class. I am glad he's in there. But, you know, it's still. And they're trying to teach him about, of course, learning how to drive and all those responsible things and all those safe things. And they are talking about different signs and their shapes and their colors and sizes. So while we're driving down the road, he's pointing them out. And he's telling me about what this means and that. And I'm glad. Sometimes he doesn't recognize when we talk about it. But mainly we talk about the warning signs. And so we had discussed how stoplights work. Everybody knows. Red, you stop. Go, you go. And yellow, you drive really fast. Right? I say it's pink when I go through. And he's like, Dad. I wasn't running a red light. It was a yellow. But those are kind of the comical things. But we do discuss it. And he always likes to judge my driving and tell me things. So that part I'm not too happy about being warned about, you know. So backseat drivers, even though he's in the front seat, are not always happy. But here's some other signs that you might not know or might not be familiar, but are kind of comical. So the next one here, I was looking at these. Thin ice. Go ahead. Try it anyway. You don't weigh that much. It won't break. It won't break. So have you seen those kind of signs? The next one says, yeah, you'll never get to work on time. Ha, ha, ha. That'd be kind of, yeah. Would you see that one? What do you think about that? The next one. Caution, water on road during rain. I guess that would be obvious, wouldn't it? So these are real signs out there. And then the last one. And this one, the reason I brought it up, danger, alligators, snakes in area, stay away from water and tall grass. This actually was at a resort we were in in Florida. My wife and daughter were going to go and get on those nice swan paddle boats. They were so cute. And when she got up there, that sign was there and another warning saying, go ahead and paddle at your own risk. I don't think, she didn't go. My daughter didn't go. We're like, yeah, let's not take that chance that something might come out and get us. So, but these are all warning signs, things that actually are out there. And you know, the thing about it is that the Bible has warned us through the Old and New Testament, letting us know that those false teachers are out there. Okay, that it isn't just new, because whenever you have the truth, you're always going to have the lies. And so you're going to make those choices. 
And we as uh, believers have to make that choice. And they didn't have the technology and television and Facebook and all those things that we have today that connect us to say, hey, you know, so-and-so, I, you have to be weary about them, or this is going on in the church, or this and that. I don't, you know, how'd they get along without email? You know, I, I left my phone at home, not today, but it drove me crazy because I couldn't connect to my wife if she needed me. Or I couldn't check on my children. Or I couldn't think, do all these other things. And, you know, and see who's talking to me on Facebook. It just becomes so much a part of our lives that we get to that point that sometimes it's hard to live without it. That was just a side note. That was free. But the point is, I don't know how that we, they survived, but they did. Because why? They had these letters. Peter had letters circulating. Paul had letters circulating. They all wrote about the Gospels of what Jesus had said. And now Jude is writing too. And he's telling them, you know, you need to defend the faith. You need to make sure that we're not letting those that are in the church promote any type of sin or promiscuity or any type of living that does not allow them to live for Christ and live the right way. You need to defend the faith. You need to be entrusted with it because you are. It is your responsibility. And, you know, we are accountable as Christians. We are responsible as Christians. And now we are entrusted as Christians to fight that good fight of faith, as Paul said, that we need to do that. So who are these godless people? Again, there is no names, but you might have met people like that. You might have met people that, you know, who pretty much may have tried to lead you a wrong way. You might have been offended by some things people did or said in the church. And then it started to cause you to, um, you know, not leave, or maybe even stop seeking, as you have. But there are ungodly and immoral people that are out there, like I said, that have come in through the back door, the side door, that we have to be careful of as Christians. And it says, by their fruits, you shall know them. Ephesians 4.14 says, talking about being mature as in Christians. So when we come and we try to grow in the word by reading it, listening to the Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with other Christians, coming to church like that, you know, it tells us that they're then, when we become mature, we no longer are infants. You know, um, my children were infants at one time, and they needed me for everything. Now they don't need me as much, but they still need me. We still always need to know the Lord. So tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there, by every teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemings. You know, and it just reminded me, like I said when I was a younger man, of those who tried to come by and tell me something that did not register with the scriptures and did not register in my heart or my spirit. You know, and he's saying, be careful of those. Douglas A. Moo says this on his commentary, and it's about the grace of God. He says that the sinful would say, those who are godless, wasn't the essence of God's grace that he took care of our sins completely on the cross? How then can there be any penalty for sin anymore? We can live as we want. We can do whatever we want because guess what? The penalty of sin is taken care of. We can live however, whatever we want to do. It doesn't matter. Does that sound familiar? Remember back in the garden with Adam and Eve? Did God really say, hey, that you can't eat from any of these trees? You know? Did God really mean that? You're not certainly die. You can live however you want. Hey, if it feels good, do it. You know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And we know the song by Stephen Stills. Hey, if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. And I think uh, I have this written down. It does, it's kind of funny because I think I'm going to be 
set up in YouTube as a mature content now because I said that. But that's okay. Probably get more views that way. People will like that. But all these cliches, all these things do not create us to have a mature life. It causes us to stay as an infant. And so he wants us to grow. He wants us to follow after him. He doesn't say, sin, anytime, do whatever you want, because if you do, I'll forgive you. Paul says in Romans 6, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Also also in King James says, God forbid. No, we don't do it that way. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer? The short answer is we can't. It's not always easy, but we can't because he's there to help us. He's there to work with us. So Jesus says again, by their fruits you shall know them. How we are saved by grace, we can't add or take away, but the grace requires a response, not of fear, but of love. It's the love that God has for us and love we have for him that gives us response. And Jude also answered the question on how to bear good fruit. How do you know they are? He says, urging you, again in Jude 3, to defend the faith, that's our first thing, that God has entrusted, again, to us. Second thing, once and for all time to his holy people. The answer is holiness. He wants us to be holy. 1 Peter 1 says, be holy because I am holy. Is that an easy task? No. Do we always know exactly what that means? No. But the Holy Spirit gives witness and testimony to our spirit what is right and that we are the children of God to live that way. We're going to watch a short video here on on that. Or we're saying, do whatever you want because grace seems to be, uh, seems, do whatever you want because grace seems to be frauds um, because they denied Jesus. They become frauds. So just a warning that people who say, do whatever you want, aren't really following after Jesus. They actually, uh, he would never say that. It would be a discipleship um, type of matters. So just like in the presence, Jesus grows out and creates that holiness. Aren't you glad that we didn't have to try to save ourselves through all of our works and good deeds? It doesn't work that way, that he did it for us on the cross. So what I would say to you then as a challenge is joining a good church like Madison Church here, helping to grow in your faith, as well as being part of the small groups that we have going on starting in the fall. is a good way to connect with others, get to know others and hear the scriptures even more and expound on those, build more of a maturity level with you, and to help you overcome any type of sin or temptation. Also, having us as believers and friends in your lives can help you to pray for you, pray with you, encourage you to make sure that we are all making a difference here in Madison. So I would encourage you to take the next step of faith, Go out there and say, okay, I'm going to be part of that. Come to the uh, newcomer's lunch or even the dinner, which would be great. And we're not all weird there. Sorry, maybe Stephen, but not the rest of us. But the point is coming there and being able to reach our community, reach Madison for Jesus. We need your help. We need your support as well, being part of that. We hope that you can be part of this family and community. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you.